Hello everyone and welcome to Christ Fellowship Online. My name is Jeannie Rodriguez and I want to thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time, I want to invite you to pause the broadcast and fill out a connection card at cfmiami.org connect. This will help us connect with you and know how we can best serve you during this season. And now, a special message by Pastor Carlos. Here's what God tells Jonah. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Amen. Well, you can have a seat now. You know, if you know me, I am not much of a traveler. I don't love to travel, but my wife, she loves to travel. And a couple years ago, we went to the amazing historical city of Boston. And if you've ever been there, there's just so much that you can enjoy in that city. And folks, we went on so many tours, like the Freedom Trail and a tour on the Boston Harbor. We visited some of the prestigious universities like Harvard and Boston U and MIT. And we even had the opportunity of going to a Boston Red Sox game at Fenway Park. So much tradition, so much history in that city. But if you're familiar with that city, you may know of these places. But what you probably have not heard of is this small, quaint donut shop outside of the city of Boston called Heavenly Donuts. Now, there is something special about this place, not because it's called Heavenly Donuts, but something remarkable took place several years ago that impacted the entire donut store. It impacted the staff, the customers, the entire community and city and state, and even made it to the media. So what exactly happened at Heavenly Donuts? We'll take a look at this video right now. Eileen Taylor is a regular customer at an Amesbury coffee shop called Heavenly Donuts. She recently stopped at the drive-thru in the morning to get some drinks. When she pulled up to the window, she was told that an unidentified woman who had been ahead of her in line had already paid for Taylor's items. Taylor had just recently lost her job, but she went back to the shop the following day and decided to keep spreading the kindness. Taylor paid $12 for the drive-thru customer behind her. Amazingly, the line of cars grew and a sort of chain reaction followed. A cashier at the shop stated, After about the 15th car, I started letting the customers know, Hey, we're at 17 cars in. You can either keep it going or break it. And nobody wanted to break the chain. In total, 55 cars passed through and each driver decided to pay for the person behind them upon learning that their items had already been taken care of. The only reason it stopped was because there was no one behind the last car. Isn't that amazing? We can clap it up for that. What an incredible story, but don't miss the point of the story. See, this lady had just lost her job. She was struggling financially, was probably feeling hopeless, and she would go through the drive-through as a usual customer. And the moment that she would make her way to the window, she would receive the message, a good news message. Ma'am, your bill has been paid for. Something happened in her heart that she wanted others to experience the same message. So it, should com it compelled her to go back the following week and she would pay for the person behind her. So that person, when they went to the window, they would receive the same message. Sir, ma'am, your bill has been paid for. 
And folks, for 55 consecutive cars, 55 consecutive families, the moment that they made it to the window, they would receive the message, ma'am, sir, your bill has been paid for. What an incredible story. But folks, I want to bring that over to our teaching for today. Because in a much greater way, in a much more impactful way, we have received the greatest message. And we are called to share that message like those people did on that morning. We have received the greatest message that Jesus Christ, God Almighty, came to this world, died on the cross, and resurrected from the grave. And because of that, we find forgiveness, mercy, joy, love, and peace. And I don't have to tell you that we live in a city like Miami where people are lost and they're searching for hope. They're searching for answers. They're desperate. They're discouraged. They're despair. And church family, but here's the good news. We have the greatest message. In fact, this is the big idea for all of us today at all of our campuses. God has given you the message so that you can share it with others. Now, you might be thinking, Pastor Carlos, I get that. I know I'm supposed to share the message. But to be honest with you, I struggle with sharing the message. In fact, I don't even know how to do that. I don't know where to begin. I don't have all the answers well, we're going to find out today as we go through this passage in Jonah chapter 3. So if you have your listening guides, we love to take notes here. So make sure you take them out. Take out your app as well. Pull out your smartphone device and take some notes. And here's the first point that I want you to write down today. Miami is a city in dire need for a message of hope. How many of you believe that today? A few of you. How many of you believe that today? All right, I can preach now. Jonah chapter 3, verse 2, the word of God says, arise. Say with me, arise. arise. Say it like you mean it, arise. arise. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. Now, in case you haven't been here the last couple weeks, let me give you a quick overview on the book of Jonah. Because Jonah is one of the prophets of God. Not only is he a prophet, he's one of the main prophets. He's like the Billy Graham of Israel during the time of 750 BC. And so God speaks to Jonah and he tells him, Jonah, this is your mission. This is your assignment. This is your calling. You are called to go to Nineveh and preach the message that I tell you. You're called to preach the message of repentance. But church family, just like we learned a couple weeks ago, the Ninevites, they were evil, wicked, cruel people. They would go around different cities and towns and they would decimate the people there. They would kill them. They would destroy them. They would torture them. And so the Ninevites were evil people. And so the moment that Jonah receives that message, first of all, he is afraid of going to Nineveh. Not only that, he hates the Ninevites, because of all their evilness. And so he decides to run away from the mission that God had entrusted him with. Now, although Miami is not barbaric like Nineveh, oftentimes there are things that we hate and dislike about this city. And because of that, we run away from the mission that God has given us. 
In fact, oftentimes throughout the week, we can say things like, I hate this city. You know, I was born and raised in Miami. I'm a Miami native. But at the age of 15, my parents decided to move to North Carolina, a place called Cary outside of the city of Raleigh. And right away, I realized that North Carolina is so different than Miami. (laughs) Everyone waves at you. Everyone is smiling at you. Even the dogs are waving at you. The cats are nice there. <laughs> we moved to the community and our neighbors came, brought us a dessert. and said, sir, hey, do you need a ride to your school? Because my son has a car and I know you don't have a car yet so he can take you to school. He would pick me up, drop me off every single day. Everyone was so nice in North Carolina. But then I moved back to Miami. It didn't take long for me to realize this is very different. I went to the McDonald's drive-thru. Ma'am, can I have a number four combo? Mijo, ¿con qué lo quiere? I love that about the city. But I don't like and I hate Peitos on the expressway. I have forgotten about that. I drive up to North Miami. I spent about $10 and I'm not even in Dolphin Mall. Now the sun pass, they're slick about it. It's silence. It used to beep before. You don't even know you went through a toe. They look like street lights. Silent sniper sniping away your bank account. Vroom, $1.50. Vroom, $1.75. You missed the exit. Vroom, two bucks. My goodness. Every summer, we have to deal with hurricanes. Two weeks before, it is chaos Armageddon. And they tell us in the news, well, according to the American model, (laughs) it's not coming this way. But just be ready. Pray for the best, prepare for the worst. But wait a minute, here's a European model. It's coming this way. Whatever that means, it's coming this way. So you go to the grocery store and it is chaos. Everyone is buying water like they actually drink water. I told my buddy the other day, I said, dude, the other storm, you survive off of three cans of Coke. Why do you need to be by water? Are you automatically now going to start drinking water? Our sports teams are struggling. The Marlins, the season ended before it even started. The Dolphins have been struggling since Dan Marino retired in 2000. My Hurricanes are struggling. I have a confession to make. I went to the store the other day and I saw a Florida Gators t-shirt. For a moment, I contemplated, I should become a Florida Gators fan. But the Lord convicted me. He said, the devil is a liar. Not today, Satan. It's all about the you. Yeah, I see all those new signs. See, there are a lot of things that we hate about the city, but can I tell you something that if you are in this city, it's because God Almighty has strategically positioned you to be here. It's not because your husband brought you here. It's not because a family member. It's because God has brought you to this city. Can I tell you something? God loves Miami, and because God loves Miami, we should love Miami. Tell the person next to you, I love this city. Tell the other person next to you, I love Miami. I have been called with a mission. 
And so what happens, what happens, oftentimes, just like Jonah, we run away from the mission that God has given us. Jonah's like, no, no, not the Ninevites, not Nineveh. And oftentimes we are the same way like Jonah. And the truth of the matter is we struggle to share the message. Here's what's interesting. We struggle to share the message. Because look what the Bible says in Jonah chapter 3, verse 2. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Say with me, second time. At all of our campuses, second time. Now you would think Jonah receives the mission, runs away, he encounters a storm, then he is swallowed by a fish, and the Bible says that he was in the fish for three days, and then he repents and the fish vomits him. You would think that after being in the belly of the fish, that Jonah would run to Nineveh, and he would be obedient and fulfill what God has called him to do, but no. The Bible says, Jonah, wait a minute. I'm calling you the second time. Let me remind you of the mission. Go to Nineveh. He says, arise and go to that great city. And finally, Jonah does what God had called him to do. And here's what the word of God says in verse four. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now don't miss this. Because Jonah finally is obedient to the mission, and all he does, he shares an eight-word sermon to everyone in the city. In fact, we told you many times that the Old Testament was first written in Hebrew, and so this statement in Hebrew is actually only five words. Say with me, five words. Say it like you mean it, five words. All Jonah does is he goes to Nineveh, and he says, Ninevites, your city is going to be decimated. In 40 days, your city is going to be destroyed in 40 days. Your city in 40 days will no longer exist. Five words. And here is what happens next in verse 5. And the people of Nineveh, what? People of Nineveh, what? Believed God. From the greatest of them to the least of them. All he does is share five words. He doesn't give a three-point message. He doesn't give them the answers to all their theological questions. He doesn't give them inspirational quotes so they can put it on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. All he does is share five words, seven, and the entire city believes in God from the greatest to the least of them. Why? This should remind us, and I want you to write this down as your next point, if you struggle Remind yourself that salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord. People aren't saved because of your persuasive presentation. They are saved by the power of God. Here's why. At the end of the day, you're not dealing with skeptics who need to be persuaded. You're not dealing with bad people who need to be convinced to being good people. You are dealing with spiritually dead people who need to become spiritually alive. And the only one that can do that is God Almighty working in you and through you as you share the message. The entire city, the Ninevites are saved by a five-word sermon. And here's what happens next in verse 6. Here's what happens. The king, the word, the word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose 
from his throne, removed his robe, kingly robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And then he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water. In other words, he was issuing an entire fast to the city of Nineveh. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Now, as you read that, you might be thinking, Pastor Carlos, what exactly does that even mean? What does it mean to be covered with sackcloth? Well, in the ancient world, in biblical times, when someone would cover themselves with sackcloth and they would fast, it was a way of them mourning or feeling remorse of some of the things they'd done in the past. And so the king takes off the robe and covers himself with sackcloth and he's fasting. He tells the entire city to do the same. This was a sign of their remorse, of their repentance, of their evil ways. You see, the Ninevites, they would pride themselves in their strength. They would pride themselves in their power. They would pride themselves in their abilities. They would pride themselves in their riches. And finally, the word reaches them through Jonah. And they have come to a point now that they've realized we are nothing without God. And they're mourning because of their evil past sins. And here's what the word of God says in verse 8. Here's what the king does next. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hand. Turn, turn from your evil way. Churning means to repent. Stop doing what you used to do at that very moment. All because Jonah shares a five-word sermon. What would happen if we shared five words to people in our city? In fact, you know what's the most powerful five words that we can tell anyone? For God so loved you. For God so loved you. What would happen, high school or middle school student, if you went back to school on Monday Southridge, Homestead High, South Dade, Varela, Ferguson, Westminster, Palmetto. What would happen if you went back to your school and you told your classmate, you told your friend, for God so loved you? What would happen if you went back to your hospital nurse, doctor, and you told that person, that coworker, for God so loved you? What would happen if you went back to your business and you told your employees, for God so loved you, maybe revival will take place in the city because God uses us to speak life into others. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And he's calling every single one of us to arise and tell. In fact, I want you to write this down as your next point for today. God has given you a message to share. And the first step in sharing that message is make your faith public. Here's what the word of God says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Jesus says the following on the Sermon on the Mount. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Do the people around you know that you follow Jesus? 
Do they know that you are a follower of Christ? My wife and I, we met here at Christ Fellowship 10 years ago. We actually met in a small group. So if you're single, that's one of the incentives <laughs> of joining a small group. And we started, we were first friends, like the movie, Just Friends, you know. And so we went on a, on a conference trip. We were on staff and, and uh, we started liking each other. We started dating each other. And I would talk to him. I was like, you know, back then when we started dating, there was a thing called Facebook official. It wasn't official until you put it on Facebook. And I would tell her, are we ready to put it on Facebook? Because I was serious about her. She was serious about me, but she's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yet. She was serious about me. I'm like, we ready to put it on Facebook? And finally we put it on Facebook. Why? Because I was serious about my commitment with Shawnee. If you are serious about your commitment with Christ, you want to let everyone know that you follow Jesus. That you are a new creation in Christ and that you are a follower of Christ. Do the people around you, your coworkers, your colleagues, your classmates, your employees, your neighbors, do they know that you follow Jesus? Here's what I love about our church. We want to give you the resources. We want to give you the tools to help you let others know about Christ. And so for your neighbors, we have created these, Pastor Ray, can you hand me that? These yard signs right here. Here's what I love. When you put this yard sign in front of your home, you are letting the world know that you are a Christ follower. You're telling everyone on that street, on that avenue, in that community, that you follow Jesus, that you are a believer that you've placed your faith in Christ. I love driving by 82nd Avenue and seeing these signs. There's a follower of Jesus. There's a follower of Christ. At all of our campuses, at the end of the service, if you don't have a yard sign, when you leave today, our ushers will give you these yard signs. Maybe your yard sign broke, get a new one. Maybe you have the old one, get the new one, get as many as you like. Perhaps you're thinking, well, Pastor Carlos, I live in an apartment. Pastor Gideon lives in a condo. He has it on his window. Put it anywhere. Door, window, anywhere you can find it. But can I tell you, if you have a yard sign, don't be blasting that Pitbull 305 music on a Saturday night. <laughs> Keep it, Christian. But grab your yard sign at all of our campuses. They're going to be there. Thank you so much, Pastor Ray. This is one of the ways that you make your faith public. Here's the next point that I want you to write down today. Turn life conversations into gospel conversations. Turn life conversations into gospel conversations. In fact, we're going to get really practical right now. In your listening guide, there's an insert that says CF napkin, just like that. I want everyone to take it out right now. Just wave it at me at all of our campuses. In fact, I'm going to ask them to take out my big, big napkin this is an easy way to share your faith that you can share it on a napkin. Next time you are with a buddy, with a friend, and you're with Jim at Starbucks, Pasión de Cielo, let's make it a little more Miami, Sergio's, Pinecrest Bakery, and you're having your colada, you're having your pastelito. Next time you're doing that, and as that person, Melissa, Maria, is telling you about her life or his life, and just sharing with you of what's going on in her marriage, what's going on with her family, with her children, with her career, you can turn that life conversation 
into a gospel conversation. You just take out a napkin, you draw the three circles, and I want everyone to participate. And all you're going to do in the first circle, you're going to write God's design. God's design. You tell that person, hey, Joe, I want to let you know that God has a perfect design for your life. He has a perfect design for your marriage. He has a perfect design for your family. He has a perfect design for your children. He has a perfect design for everything in this world. He has a perfect design for your money, for your finances. But the truth of the matter is that every single one of us, we try to do things our own way. And we disobey God. And God, you're going to draw a line now, God calls that sin. Sin. Sin is doing things our own way. Sin is being disobedient to God's will. And what happens is when we sin, we experience brokenness in this world. You can write that down. Now, I don't have to tell you, you don't have to be a believer that there's a lot of brokenness in this world. Violence, racism, bullying, depression, discouragement. Everywhere you look, we live in a broken world. And the reason why we live in a broken world is because of sin. And what happens is we try to fix our brokenness on other things and people. You can just write different lines. We try to fix our brokenness on our successes. We try to fix our brokenness on our title, position. We try to fix our brokenness on what others think of us, their validation, their approval, on what we have, our possessions. And when we try to do that, it never leads to a good place. We feel hopeless. We become addicted to things. And we never feel fulfilled in life. But the only way, now you're going to draw the line here, the only way that we can fix our brokenness is through Jesus. Amen. This is really important now because this is the gospel. Really important. You see, Jesus, you can draw an arrow, came to this world, lived a perfect life. He died, you can draw a cross, on the cross for you. He died on the cross for your sins to fix your brokenness. Here's the good news. He was raised on the third day. And if you repent, you can write this down, and believe, you can have a relationship with Jesus. Repent means to turn away from your old life and run to Christ. And if you believe in what Jesus did for you, you can have everlasting life. And when that takes place, then you draw the last line, you are in God's perfect design for your life. Very simple, very easy. It can be done in a napkin. It takes about five minutes to do. This is so important that here's what I want us to do right now. Because sometimes we write notes on our listening guide, but sometimes we can lose those notes. So here's what I want everyone to do at our campuses and if you're watching us online. I want you to take out your smartphone right now. Take out your phone. 
and just wave it at me, just take it out there. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to text the word CF napkin all together, not separate. It's really important. CF napkin to the number 34, 34, 34. CF napkin to the number 34, 34, 34. You will receive a digital graphic of these three circles. You will receive a digital graphic, a digital graphic of these three circles. And whenever you have that opportunity, when you feel it from your heart, can I tell you if you feel it, it's God telling you to do it? Next time you're having that life conversation, turn that life conversation into a gospel conversation. Here's the next point that I want you to write down. Another way of sharing our faith is in every opportunity Give an invite card. See, the truth of the matter is that we encounter people all the time. And if you're going to Target or if you're going to a store and that person on the register, you're not going to have the time to go through the three circles. But here's what I love about our church. We've created this great tool, great resource to give out an invite card. You know, when I leave the day, I open up my wallet almost every single day and I want to make sure that my driver license is there because my kids play with my wallet all the time. And I learned my lesson. But then I see if I have an invite card in my wallet. I want to keep it in my wallet. And I want to give them out to as many people as I possibly can. The dentist, doctor's office, Uber driver, wherever I go, I try to give an invite card. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, make the most of your time. When he talks about that, it has to do with evangelism. In other words, use every moment to point people to Christ. Can I tell you, oftentimes we minimize the impact that this card can have on someone, but you have no idea what that person is experiencing who's about to be the recipient of this invite card. Maybe that person ran away from the things of God. Maybe they used to follow Jesus. And just like Jonah, they ran away from the mission of God. And this invite card, this tool can be a way of them being reminded that God is pursuing them. Or perhaps that person has been receiving these invite cards. And this is just another way of validating that they need to come to Christ Fellowship. You know, oftentimes when I pass this invite card, it happened to me a couple months ago, the person told me, man, I have gotten that card like three or four times already. There must be something special about that church. And I told him, yes, there is. His name is Jesus Christ. That's what's special about Christ Fellowship. Amen? Come on, let's give it up for the Lord. You have no idea what that person is going through when you give that invite card. Maybe they're going through a low point in their life. And this tool is a way of them feeling like there is hope in life. Maybe they're going through a personal struggle, a medical issue, a financial struggle, and this is a tool or resource for them to find hope in Christ. We've experienced so many life-changing stories through an invite card. In fact, take a moment right now and watch this powerful video. Fourteen years ago, I was looking for a church home. I came to a point in my life where um, I needed something. 
I, I, I was seeking, I was looking, and I got on the train one morning, like I usually do, headed to work, and this young lady got on, and she sat next to me, so I automatically started a conversation with her, and I asked her how she was doing, and uh, she said uh, nothing. She didn't say anything. She just smiled, and she just reached into her bag, and she pulled out this card, and I put it in my purse, and I continued to turn to try to talk to her, and uh, she got up, and uh, she got off the train. But before she got off the train, she looked back at me, and she waved like this, and she gave me this big, beautiful smile. When I got home, I looked at the card, and I looked at the times that the church had service and everything, and I said, I'm going to go to this church on Sunday. So I went to the service, and I looked for her in the service. I keyed in on her, and she was sitting where they were signing, and I was like, what? Wow. When I found out she was deaf, I was like, God, you use anybody to direct a person to where they're supposed to be. She didn't speak. She couldn't hear. But she directed me to Christ Fellowship. What, what, what do you think would have happened if, if uh, Elise would have not taken the opportunity? I wouldn't be at Christ Fellowship today. Thank you, Clarice. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for inviting me to Christmas and letting God use you in a powerful way. Thank you. And so it's, it's just a, been an amazing experience and it's a wonderful church to be a part of. And I just know how important it is to invite people to your church and keep doing what you do, Clarice. Keep inviting people to Christ. Amen. See, the power of an invite card. God can use anyone. That beautiful deaf person that's part of our deaf ministry, God used that person to give this invite card. And now Denise, she comes here every single weekend. She's one of our volunteers, one of our leaders here at church. And God used that invite card to bring transformation to someone else. Church family, there is a city that needs us. There are lost people who are spending eternity without God. And God is asking us today, are you going to go? You see, oftentimes we come to church and we grow in the things of God. We grow in his word. We grow in prayer. But we don't go and share our faith with others and my prayer is that today this weekend at all of our campuses that we will arise and tell others about Jesus Christ God Almighty that is my prayer for us today that we will leave this place and we would arise and tell others in fact write this down as your last point for today it's time to arise and tell it's time to arise and tell I want everyone to stand to their feet and tell the person next to you, it's time to arise and tell. Tell the other person next to you, it's time to arise and tell. Here's something that I want you to know today before we leave. Here's something very important. Whenever the Bible has a word that often repeats itself, God is trying to remind us of something. And there is a word 
that appears in the book of Jonah many, many times, and it is the word arise. Why? Because oftentimes we go our own way and we run away from God and we don't arise to the mission. And here's what the word of God says in Jonah chapter one, verse two, arise. Say with me, arise. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. Arise, call out to your God. In Jonah chapter 3 it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Then Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne. Here's what I want us to be a church about. That we will rise up and tell the city of Miami. That we will rise up and tell the people in Homestead. That we will rise up and tell the people in the Red Lake community. That we will rise up and tell people in Core Gables. That we will rise up and tell people at West Kendall. That we will rise and tell people in downtown. Because there is a mission that God has given us. There are marriages that need to be restored. There are hurting people who need to be healed. There are people who need to be delivered from their addiction. Why? Because when people encounter Christ, the lost are found. The blind will seem. The lame will walk and the deaf will hear. Are you ready for that Christ fellowship? Are you ready to take over the city? Are you ready to charge? We are the movement of God and we're called to go. Come on, worship. Let's worship together. Let's sing it. away from God. You've never experienced God's love, His forgiveness, His mercy, His joy, His grace. My friend, today is your opportunity to make the greatest decision of your life, to run to the feet of Jesus. Every head bowed and every eye closed at all of our campuses. The Bible says that we are all sinners. None of us are perfect. We've all failed against God. But here's the good news. Jesus died for you. And the Bible says, that if you believe, if you repent from your old ways and you believe with your hearts that he was raised from the dead and you confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you will be saved. It is a prayer that God will always answer with a yes, a sinner's prayer. He is pursuing you. He wants a personal and intimate relationship with you today. There where you are, if that is you, I want to lead us in a moment of prayer right now. You can pray the same exact words that I pray or something similar to what I'm about to pray. Father God, I just come before you and I recognize that I am a sinner in need of saving. Jesus, I believe that you died 
and you were raised on the third day for my sins and today I repent I turn away from my old life and I run to you be my Lord be my Savior be my best friend be my everything I receive that message and in return I want to tell others about that message as well thank you for your love thank you for your mercy it's in your holy and precious name that I pray amen and amen Christ fellowship can we give it up for all those who made that decision today if you want to take your next step as a believer we want to hear about it let us know at cfmemmy.org connect and filling out a connection card we want to thank you so much for joining us we love you and God bless